Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. The wind is now pitched upward towards the moving hair. Right. It's pitched upward. So air is flying straight into the wing. That's going to also add to the Bernoulli effect, and that plane is going to pop. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Chuck. Yes. You got one of your favorite kind of episodes coming up. All right. It's things you thought you knew. I think you, you are like correct. those. That, you, you like those. I do indeed. I'm glad you like. I like making you happy. It's because <laughs> I know that I don't know. <laughs> that is what I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is a way to remedy that. It's That's a, it's right. A, it's a cure. All yep. right. So Chuck. Yeah. You ever wonder how airplanes fly? You, you know. Ever, have you ever walked up to one? And I sound like the guy in the Matrix. You ever marvel at an airplane that <laughs> 300 tons of metal? Mr. Anderson. Fly. <laughs> no, he was talking to uh, uh, Morpheus at that time. Oh, Morpheus. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, because he was talking about, yeah. He yeah, was yeah. trying to get him to reveal the codes for Zion. The codes for uh, Zion, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyhow, do you ever marvel that an airplane of all sizes, they just... Go fast forward, and then they fly. Do you have a pause and reflect on this? I'm not going to say I have, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be lying. It's just I give I me said. the scotch before we take off, and That's, I'm good. All right. Go. I'll tell you what I marvel at. What? Uh, how sometimes I get a really decent meal in first class. That's to me, <laughs> is a modern aviation marvel. Okay. All right. So... So here you go. So you may have noticed that all airplanes have wings. Yes. Okay. So wings, I have, wings are a I good thing. Those. That's a good thing. I uh, will they, say. They also have mini wings on the tail. Okay. Right. And then they have like a vertical wing 
uh, yep. which is like the stabilizer wing. And so that prevents it from sort of uh, fishtailing. Right. Because if it's going quickly through the air and air parts on the left and right side of that tail fin, that gives the plane stability moving in one direction. Okay. okay. Now, when I was a kid, I built model airplanes that flew, uh, gliders. And I tried right. making gliders without a tail fin, and it just fishtailed the whole time. It just didn't, it couldn't stabilize. So I, so doing piece by piece, adding and subtracting bits to my, to my models, I was able to sort of learn early on in my life what role these were playing in the stability and the lift on an airplane. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, just so I go back on that, way back on this. So now, um, you may have also noticed the shape of the cross-section of a wing. Yes. So if you take a cross-section of a wing, and sometimes you can see this. Oh, uh, yeah. You know. You can see it when you're on the, if you sit on the wing. On the wing. Plane, on the wing. When you're right. sitting in the wing seat. In the wing seat, you know? right. So, so that's usually where the exit, there's usually an exit uh, door above the wing so that you can right. step out. So, uh, so the top part is curved. Right. Okay, and the bottom is, uh, it's typically flat. Okay? Right. So you have a pocket of air that the moving wing is passing through. Yeah. And the air wants to stay as one parcel. It wants to. Okay? okay? So as you do this, the air on top to go that bigger distance has to travel faster to keep up with the air on the bottom so that when it reconnects, it's the same parcel. Gotcha. All right? So you have forced the air to move faster on the top than on the bottom. And fast-moving air has lower pressure. And I've done this before. Uh, I don't know if we, who's going to be listening to this and who's going to be watching it. But you can take a ribbon. So I'm going to use my letterhead. Okay. So here it is. I don't know if you can see. Yeah, from the desk of Neil deGrasse Tyson. No, it's right. It's a Hayden Planetarium. Uh, right. The Museum of Natural History. So not that it matters what paper you do use. But I'm getting a nice, long, skinny strip from that. There it goes. And here it is, just limp in front of me. And now I'm going to blow across it. Okay, here I go. There you go. I'm blowing on top of it. Top of it, but the, it, 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 it straightens out, lifts up. Correct. So the faster air going on top has lower pressure relative to the pressure of the air on bottom. So the air on bottom presses it up. It's pushing. It's right. pushing. It's pushing it up. You have an entire pair of wings doing this. An entire nice. pair of wings. And the faster you move, the bigger the pressure difference is between the two of them. Period. Huh. Okay. So on the runway, where you're ready to take off. Right. And the plane accelerates. The pressure difference between the top and the bottom is becoming greater and greater and greater. And the plane saying, I'm ready to do this, okay? But you don't want to rely only on that. You want to make sure this happens. So, what? The, by the way, it continues to accelerate through this. What the pilots do is they, they, in, they up the flaps on the tail wings, okay? Uh -huh. Right. What does that do? That creates extra pressure to push the tail down, pivoting the nose upwards. Uh -huh. When the nose goes upwards, the upward pressure on the wings is no longer just this Bernoulli effect. Bernoulli is the guy who first 
uh, uh, decoded this phenomenon. Uh-huh. It's not only that, the wing is now pitched upward towards the moving hair. Right. It's pitched upward. So air is flying straight into the wing. That's going to also add to the Bernoulli effect. And that plane is going to pop. That's why it doesn't slowly gain altitude. That plane changes its angle to the air and it flies high above the ground. And there's strong reason to do that because it also reduces the acoustic footprint of the takeoff. The higher it can get the fastest, the the less uh, influence that sound is going to have on houses and other things that happen to be in the in the in the runway path. Right. So, yeah. these lowering two, your lowering property values everywhere. Everywhere. And so, this effect of pitching the wing so that the moving air just presses it upward is so effective that you don't even need Bernoulli to fly an airplane. Um, you know, you can have Johnson do it, or you can also, you know, Smith Smith is cool. You know, uh, <laughs> you can have Ray J. Johnson do it, but you don't have to call him Ray. You can call him Ray J. Ray J. can do it. Right. So that's an old timer reference there for people over seventy. Wow. Um, so, so the upward pressure will do that. That's why, for example, if you've ever been to an air show, I highly recommend it. Even if you're anti-military, the air shows like display not only military jets but future of civilian jets. But you should see what your taxpayer money is going towards, okay? If you mm-hmm. have the occasion to visit an air show, they're, they're big ones in the United States, um, in, in, uh, outside of Paris, uh, and outside of London. Uh, Farnborough yeah. is one. So these are major air shows. But anyhow, the F-16, as well as other planes, the last I saw it was the F-16 airplane, can fly upside down. And you can oh, say- Oh, yeah, I saw a Top Gun. I saw it. Oh, <laughs> I remember you that. F- if this Bernoulli effect only pushes upwards with that orientation of the wing, how the hell do you fly upside down? You just angle the wings so that the air hitting on the front edge of it, the urge of that is to push it upwards rather than any other direction at all. And if you maintain that pitch of the wings, you can sustain a lift for the airplane. You can fly it at any angle for that. Wow. But if you're not otherwise in Top Gun or you're doing fancy things, you let Bernoulli do most of the work. Look at that. And there you have it. So you get, yeah, just creating lift. Correct. Now, have you you seen those little winglets at the tip lately in the last 10 years? Almost all planes have them. Yes. All the planes have a little wing on the wing. A little wing on the wing. It's like a little, it's like a little wing hand. Like, hey, it's like a little wing hand. What's up? All right. So they knew and learned that air moving over the wing. Oh, by the way, the wings get narrower as you get to the tip. Right. Take a notice of that next time. They're very large as they attach to the airplane, and then they get narrower. That's a very important feature for strength, by the way. Okay? Right. The strongest part of the wing is the nearest part to the plane. All right? That's a good fact. You don't want it breaking somewhere else. All right? Uh, so, so what you have is a... a, a, a so air not only moves over the wing, but it also moves off the wing horizontally. And what they found is the air going off the tip of the wing created little turbulent eddies. Gotcha. And anytime you have turbulence, you have a drag, a turbulent drag. Right. And they said, is there any way to 
smooth over these eddies. And so they did this research under the umbrella of one of the A's of NASA. Recite for me the NASA acronym. I don't know, National Aeronautics. And Space Administration. And Space Administration. The first A in NASA stands for aeronautics. A big part of their budget is to study aeronautics. They discovered that if you put a little uptick, a little up up angle in the tip of your wing, you can boost the, uh, you can reduce the drag, thereby increasing fuel efficiency, thereby enabling cargo planes to carry that much more and that much farther. Look at that. Overall, they saved between 10 and 15% of all the fuel costs the world has seen since that's been introduced. And that is huge. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, I got to tell you, that's a lot. First of all, I look at it like great for the ecology, you know, that savings. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But but if if you're running an airline, you know, it's just, it's good for the bottom line. It's good for the bottom line. And so, and you will also notice that that little piece of the wing, if it's done in a modern design rather than the original designs, they just slap something on there. They like glued it on with, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the modern designs- <laughs> Chewing integra- gum. Uh, chewing gum. It's, it's integrated to the shape and the form of the wing. You'll notice that the wing continues to get narrow yeah. to that tip, right? So right. it continues to get narrow, easing the air off of the tip so that you don't have this turbulent eddy. So uh, that's, that's how you have that. So now, here's the thing. The plane wants to get airborne as quickly as possible. Right. So there's a speed below which it will stall in the air and just fall out of the sky. Okay. If it's going faster than that, then all the upward forces are keeping it afloat. All right? Right. And like I said, less than that, you will stall and drop out of the sky. So when you hit that speed, okay? Which I I believe is 88 miles an hour. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm... (laughs) <laughs> that, that, it should be that even if it's not that right which right. let it let it be yeah 88 miles an hour so um so there's the plane so so you want the highest possible airspeed right. the airspeed is what matters to whether you're going to stall right it's right. how fast is the air moving over your wings so, every plane, if it has the option, is going to take off into the wind. Aha! Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. what matters is not the speed relative to the ground, because a tailwind would give you high speed relative to the ground. Mm-hmm. But once you're airborne, you want to stay there. And so, right. what matters is the speed over your wing. Over the wing. That the air had. And so you take, that's why every airport and aircraft carriers have at least two runways at an angle to each other so that when the wind direction switches, they can change which runway you're using so that you will always take off into the wind. Nice. And the two, the, I forgot what the, is it 45 or 30 degree angle? It's not, it's not at a 90 degree angle to each other. Okay. No, because if you do if you do the math and the geometry on this, you want it to be about a thirty degree angle, because okay. then all combinations. What you do is, you if you if the wind changes direction, then you just take off in the opposite direction of the of the 
All right. And you, right. it turns out many solutions are solved just by having two runways at that angle. And that's why aircraft carriers, you will see, um, just take a look at their shape. The World War II class aircraft carriers, you could, they had two angles you could land on their deck. Right. Yeah. Uh, There's, yeah. On it. And if you're going to land from the direction you're coming, they would turn around the aircraft carrier so that you're coming in against the wind. So they, you want to take off against the wind. So this makes for a great, bit of um for someone facing adversity in life right you say yeah. to them that airplane achieves its greatest lift when taking off into the highest headwinds and that notwithstanding you are still screwed my friend <laughs> you're still flunking this class <laughs> you Take- Go to the remedial class. Too bad. Too bad you're not an airplane. <laughs> Don't ever be a counselor, okay? Chuck Nice, worst life coach ever. Chuck, <laughs> the fact uh, that you even thought that. Oh my gosh. There's some person who's got adversity in their life. Oh. And they're doing it. Too bad oh. for not an airplane. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> All right. So, also, um, they land into the wind. Okay? Because mm. they want their slowest, poss- slowest possible speed relative to the ground. Right. And that way, when they reverse the thrust of the engines, that they don't accidentally run off the end of the runway. Right. So, that's why planes land and take off in the same direction often on the same runway. That's look at why. That. That's why. That you, is. And you know how they know cool. which way the wind's blowing? They look at the windsock. Uh, they, oh, I thought you, uh, I was going to say you, you lick your finger. Oh, then they roll down the window of the 747. Yeah, and you roll down the window of the plane, you stick your finger. Okay, there we go. That's it. <laughs> Maybe Lindbergh did that. I don't know. All right. Uh, but you look at the windsocks, and I look at the windsock every single time, and I confirm that we are indeed taking off uh, in the direction of the wind. Because it's the opposite direction the windsock is pointing, right? right. You'll see next time. Yeah, and the windsock's wind all orange. You want to go against the wind. So yeah, wherever the windsock's blowing, that ain't the way you want to do That ain't the way. Real simple. Yeah, but you can <laughs> reaffirm that 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 the the traffic controllers are doing the right thing right. By, by making this observation. Yeah, they're not right. just up there drunk and partying. You know, they actually are paying attention. They're that's also cool. paying attention. Well, well, that's exactly also. The way you said it, they're not just drunk. They're, and just, they're, they're also, also looking at your ass, right? So, so all this is going on on the, on the runway. And I got more to talk about airports. I mean, I just, there's so much going on. You know why they're right, called? Quick, you know, quick, quick thing about You know why they're called stuff. gates? You know why they're called gates? Uh, uh, no. They used to uh, be literal gates. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Airports, you'd, you'd go up to the gate, and they'd open the gate, and then you'd walk onto the tarmac and get on the airplane before oh, there were right. jetways. Back in the day when they had, you had to climb the stairs to get on the plane. Well, the president still does that when he lands yeah. in different countries, but right. and, and small airports, you would do that. But I'm just saying, they were literal gates, and then yeah. we moved them indoors, and now you have these jetways. You don't even see... When you're, are you, am I indoors? Am I outdoors? Where am I? Yeah. Well, just a reminder that it's a real object that's really flies. And thanks to engineering for this. The people that say, I don't trust science. And say, we made a 300-ton hunk of aluminum fly 
right. at 550 miles an hour across country serving you hot food and giving you the internet while you sit in your comfortable chair. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that, you're going to complain that, that the, that the salad, uh, had too much salt. That's how okay. you know you're living in the future. But see, the salad did have too much salt, Neil. I mean, I wasn't just nitpicking, okay? I know I might seem demanding, but these, there is a reason behind my complaints. You know you're in the future. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, man. Anyway, yeah. planes, have, there's more to talk about. One day, we'll talk about the pressure difference between inside the cabin and outside. That's a oh. fun thing. I do experiments on that. But one day, nice. we'll do more. When you have more appetite for airplanes and airports, you I'm can take this it. up again. I like it. Uh, Chuck, we got to take a quick break. But when we come back, more of the things you thought you knew on Star Talk. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Hi, I'm Chris Cohen from Haworth, New Jersey, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Please enjoy this episode of Star Talk Radio with your and my favorite personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Welcome back. We're in the middle of things you thought you knew. Let's continue. Chuck, when was the last time you had an airport? Uh, I don't know. A couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, maybe. All right. I, I want to give you things to notice on your next trip because otherwise it's just a drag to go through and TSA and everything. Just some things to notice. And to you think mean about. things like we've become a slovenly country that looks like we're going to the damn bathroom in the middle of the night when we travel? Put some clothes on, people. Real clothes. Okay. No, they, they got their pajamas on because they want to sleep on the plane. Cut no, no. All right. So here you go. So the first thing. You know, at the at the TSA, you got the the X-ray machine, right? You got the X-ray okay. machine. I just want to alert you of something. 
There was a day, and I'm old enough to remember, before anything got x-rayed. You know why? Because nobody had an x-ray machine to do it. And in the 1960s, there was a spate of, of hijackings. Mm-hmm. Many of them were to Cuba, because we didn't, we, our diplomatic ties had been broken off. Uh, and because the Cuba were like, they were commies, right? They were sympathizers with the Soviet right. Union. And they were in our hemisphere. And so we didn't have planes to Cuba. So if someone wanted to get fly to Cuba, they had to hijack a plane. <laughs> so I, I don't mean to laugh, but the hijackings to Cuba were like common. Right. So Congress said, we got to stop this. The only way we can do it is maybe we can x-ray your luggage. Okay? So does anyone have an x-ray machine that we can just drag into here and do this? Right? That's not so large like you find in the hospital astrophysicists of the early 1970s had just miniaturized X-ray detectors to put into satellites to observe the universe in the X-ray part of the spectrum because black holes and, and matter swirling in down the throat of a black hole just before it goes to die radiates X-rays. And we, we calculated this and we knew this and we said, we're going to find black holes in the universe. We need an X-ray telescope. Well, the X-ray machines are huge. We ha- then we got to make them smaller to fit into the, into the, this, the, the, order, the orbiting satellite. Space, right? And so a company called American Science and Engineering based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, okay, pioneered small X-ray detectors and then they got tapped by the government and say, will you bring those into every airport in the country, every international airport? And thus was born X-ray detectors at airports because of astrophysicists. Now, were any, were any of these astrophysicists also hijacking planes? Because I can see a connection. <laughs> oh, oh mm. the conspiracy yes. theories. Okay. <laughs> and, and one of the leaders of that was a guy named Ricardo Giacconi. And uh, he was also a professor. Uh, a scientist up at the Harvard College Observatory, the Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory. Today, it's just called the Center for Astrophysics. And when I was an undergraduate there, I worked in his group, the X-ray group. We did some things, all right? And he would later be given the Nobel Prize for pioneering X-ray, opening up an entire new window on the universe, X-ray astronomy. So, and another cool thing is, uh, I would later be tapped by the White House to serve on a committee to, to give out the Presidential Medal of Science, okay? Oh. And this is under the George W. Bush White House. So I'm there, and we get invited to the ceremony. So I, I'm ready to enter the White House. And he's, oh, we, we awarded it to him. He'd already gotten the Nobel Prize. Dude, give him the Presidential Medal of Science. Right, exactly. Okay? So, L- so he's coming into the, oh, right, I know, I know. But so he comes in, right, and he's going through this, this there's this, there's house you have to walk through before you get to the White House. And that's where all the security measures are. So he's walking through, and I can't help but notice the White House is using an American science and engineering x-ray detector. Wow. What this guy invented. It was his company. It's his company. That's pretty cool. And I said, well, we, told, we have come full circle yeah. here. That, it, that, that's so funny. Is like the guy who made the thing that you're using for security is the ultimate security risk. <laughs> because he, he know knows what, all the back doors if there is any because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he invented he knows what yeah you exactly. know? that that would yeah, be the case yeah. 
if you're using his machine, right. he'll, he'll know, know how, how to, to get around get anything in his, his own, own inventions. You know, if, if if he had come to the White House when I was head of security, I'd been like, nah, get that guy up against the wall, full pat down. Full pat down. <laughs> That's Cavity right, search. everything. We got to make sure. This guy knows how to hide stuff, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so when you go through, they're not ASNE detectors anymore, but that was the birth of that entire movement. And it was astrophysicist. Serving our needs happened to also serve the needs of the government. By the way, I retell that story uh, in, in my book, um, Accessory to okay. War, the unspoken alliance between astrophysics and the military. And more broadly, it's between astrophysics and security. But anyhow, so you go through there, and a lot of airports, I like they have mosaics in the floor. I just, and I, photo, I have a little photo essay, I might publish it one day. Of, and there, it's the, the birth of flight. It might have some rockets. It's got the night sky, and it's usually some interpretation of it. So I I look down as much as I look forward when I'm walking through airports just to see what the mosaics ah, are. The doing, only time right? where so you'll hear Neil deGrasse Tyson say, keep looking down. <laughs> so, so Chuck, so the interesting thing about x-rays, we think of them as penetrating through objects, right? Special kind of light yes. energy. But it's not as weird as you think. Okay. okay? You realize visible light penetrates glass. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> That's why windows are made of glass. Uh, okay. I mean, listen, I know that that was a scientific stretch, but uh <laughs> Okay. But but wait a minute, but let's let's keep going here. Do you know that glass blocks X-rays and high energy light. Okay. All right. Now we're doing something. So not all substances are transparent to all bands of light. Okay. That's all I'm trying to say. I got you. Okay. Mm. So microwaves, which is what your phone use to communicate. Right. They clearly pass through walls. Yeah. Because when you go indoors, you can still use your cell phone. I mean, unless, of course, you have Sprint. I mean. <laughs> I mean, then. You know, give it up. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God. How, how, how would how I... Sprint as a sponsor of Star Talk? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm roaming in the kitchen, but not in the living room. What? Okay. So, uh, so microwaves pass through walls that are otherwise opaque to you. So the fact that x rays go through like luggage and things and human flesh. Uh, you know, you know what X-rays don't really go through? They don't really go through your bones. I was about to say, why don't you, if you really want to fool an X-ray, just make everything out of human bones. No, 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 no. So, no. So, it doesn't, does not go through bones. So, bones cast a shadow on what it is they're trying to view. Ah, so really, what you're, you're not seeing the bones themselves. You're not seeing the bone. You're seeing you're the seeing fact it. that the X-ray went everywhere else but, except the bones. Right. Exactly. So, it's like when you stand in front of the sun and you do a puppet. You know, uh, on the ground, a, a shadow puppet. You're, it's really just the, you know, the. It's not the image of your hand. It's the absence of your hand. Correct. Right. It is. It it is. It is. You're giving meaning to the absence of sunlight. Right. Where your hands had blocked the photons. Exactly. From hitting the sands. Right. So, so that's, so that's what, what's okay. happening. In it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, cool. That's, and, that's and so, cool. When Wilhelm Röntgen uh, discovered x-rays and he put his hand in front of it right. and he saw that there the he saw the bones he could barely see the flesh 
because the, the, it, it went right through his flesh. Right. Okay. When you're looking out a window, you're not looking at the window. You're looking at what's beyond the window. Okay. So he's looking at, he doesn't see the, he sees the bones because the x-rays were absorbed by the bones. And you also think I saw his wedding ring or something, which absorbed even more x-rays. And that right. was like pitch black and rather I, than sort of grayish. And please do not ask why his wedding ring was made out of human bone. <laughs> he, he's a weird, kinky man, <laughs> <Okay>. that Wilhelm. <laughs> Wilhelm Röntgen. In fact, in all the rest of the world, they call Röntgen rays rather than x-rays. Um, oh. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, point is, uh, X-rays are useful for looking through your luggage and finding things that you might make a weapon out of, typically out of metal. But they will not find weapons made out of things that are not metal and are otherwise transparent to plastic, like um, a plastic gun. Right. If you make a plastic gun, it's not, it's not going to find it in the same way it would reveal a a um, a regular metal a metal gun. gun. So big time, what big you time can controversy do now. on that too about yeah, printable uh, guns. Correct, correct. So here's an interesting thing you can do. Uh, like I like you said, like I noted, um, the bone does not completely block the X-rays. It just blocks more X-rays than your flesh does. So it casts its own mild shadow in the photograph. Okay. If you have different frequencies of light. And you interplay them, you can see what the trend line is in the thing's attempt to absorb it or not. And once you do that, you're better at detecting what could be in the suitcase if you move the frequencies back and forth. But what they also do is they attach color. This is the literal use of false color, where you attach a color to the edges of signals that are shown up in the image, in the X-ray image. Because your eye picks up color much, much better better. than it picks up uh, tiny changes in, in a grayscale shading. Right. All right? So if, if I say anything grayer than this level, make it red, and anything less gray than that, make it blue, your eye, pip, boom! I see red and blue as two completely separate things rather than as the continuum that it is. So the folks back there, the TSA, they have a fascinating task ahead of them to identify objects and shapes and, right. and, and, and highlight them in ways that it makes it easy for the person looking, through your, looking at your luggage rather than harder. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's super cool. And I wonder, do they assign a special color uh, to uh, sex toys? Because they tend to somehow find them all the time. I've never seen this ever happen. Is, is this you trying to pull sex toys through the security? Is I, this I'm just saying, I don't know how every time it, you know. You the, heard that this happened. This is what I heard. I that somehow it. they're just like, got to check that one. And it's just like, <laughs> nope, just another sex toy. Sorry, everyone. Everything's great. All good. <laughs> This guy no here, reason to be alarmed. This guy right Just here. Just another tech sex toy. So you're free to go with your sex toy. <laughs> uh, and by the way, those the those flappy things at the entrance with your luggage into the machine. Yes, they're like have heavy metal particles in them, so the X-rays don't come out. So don't reach in there because it's trying to shield you from the X-rays that would otherwise uh, leak out of that hole. Nice. There, there you go. 
Well, that is super. Is. Oh, I, I have to tell you, I will never look at the X-ray machine again this, the same way. That's what I'm saying. And I want you to think of astrophysicist when you do. I, and I, I will now, which I have never done before. <laughs> I can say that with a... X-rays are just another band of light that comes to us from the depths of space that humans on Earth with excellent engineering has exploited for all manner of social, cultural, geopolitical purposes. Look at that. Thank you, Didn't Wilhelm. Know. Time for a break. But when we come back, we will continue Stuff You Thought You Knew on Star Talk. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. We're back. One of my favorite segments, Things You Thought You Knew. Uh, let's continue. Chuck, I got some more explaining to do. Oh. I, okay. I, I, I feel like I see. I feel like, uh, I, I don't know, Lucy. Was that? That was Ricky. Lucy. No. Lucy, yeah, you got yeah. some explaining to do. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we, I, some long ago, sometime, I think we talked about the rocket equation. I want to talk about that again, but then take us into space with it and talk about some other stuff as well. Okay, oh, okay. so you ready? All right. So he, here Blast you go. Blast off. There uh, you go. <laughs> all right. So if you're going to drive from New York to California. Right, which I'm never going to do. And you, have, you know, and, you have an, and you have an internal combustion engine car. Right. They're called ICE cars in the, in the lingo, by the way. Uh, internal combustion engine. You fill up the tank with gas right. until it's empty. And, right. and then you fill it up again. Correct. And then you fill it up again until you, till you get to California. Right. You have convenient filling stations along the way. All along the way. Just little daggers in the heart of the earth all along the way. <laughs> now, if you didn't have those, right. you would need a single tank big enough to get you to California. <laughs> a single tank. Right. Okay? So we have to ask, what does that tank weigh? All right. right. Now, if that tank weighs as much as the car, 
and then some, maybe, mm-hmm. then the fuel you're burning in New York, part of that is just simply to move the car that's filled with fuels you haven't burned yet. Right. Exactly. Such is the challenge with rockets. Because we don't have filling stations in space, every ounce of fuel you burn is to get the next ounce of fuel higher up so that it could then burn afterwards. Okay? So, let's, let's run a quick mathematical example. You ready? Okay. Okay. If I tell you it takes one pound of fuel. Okay. To put one pound of payload into orbit. You ready? Okay, you got that? Right, right. Okay, you're with me. Okay. Stay with me. One pound of fuel. One pound of fuel to put one pound of of payload into orbit. Right. All right. Suppose I want to put two pounds of payload. I'm going to need two pounds of fuel. No. You're going to need a pound of fuel for each of those pounds. I need the fuel for the fuel. I need fuel fuel for the fuel. Damn, that's right. So I need a pound of fuel for the pound, a pound of fuel for the fuel. (laughs) For the fuel, okay. So now that's three pounds of fuel. Fuel, right. To put two pounds into orbit. Two pounds, right. Now let's go three pounds of payload, okay? Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a pound each. For each of those, that's three pounds. Right. Okay. Plus a pound of fuel for each of those three pounds of fuel. So I need six. six. Okay. But wait. Then, am I saying this right now? Then you need a pound of fuel for the fuel that's going to get the three pounds of fuel into orbit. The point is. That's right. Whether or not I even explain that accurately, (laughs) you get the point here. The point here is that the amount of fuel you need for every increment of payload grows exponentially. And it's a famous equation called the rocket equation. Right. That's why if you saw the launch of of either the Apollo missions, if you're an old timer, or the recent... Artemis. Recent, um, Artemis missions. Right. You see this huge rocket. And way at the top is the Orion uh, capsule. And right. The service module and the capsule. It's way, it's the little thing at the top. And right. Everything else is fuel. Because that has to go not only to Earth orbit, but to the moon and back. And the astronauts are the payload plus whatever the hell else they're taking up there. So... The rocket equation, you need calculus to do that correctly. So, the, so a more realistic calculation would be uh, 10 pounds of fuel for one pound in orbit of, of payload, right? That's more realistic. So now two pounds is, one, is you need a, 10 pounds for that extra pound of fuel plus 10 pounds of fuel for the 10 pounds 10 of pounds fuel that got the other pound of fuel. Crazy. Okay? So it is crazy. It's completely it's crazy. crazy. Okay, so now here's an interesting fact, okay? When you burn your gasoline, okay? Uh it, it uh, how does it uh, turn into energy? You remember? Um there's a small spark, it turns into an explosion, it pushes a piston. It's a spark. Right. Correct. And the explosion is the gasoline plus what? Um they infuse it with air or something to like it's a, it becomes air, a fuel. And what's air. in the air? That it, 
Oxygen. Yeah, yeah. So the air, what's in the air? Oxygen. Thank you. So you have gasoline plus oxygen makes energy, okay? When it oh, burns. Gotcha. You got the oxygen for free. It's just sitting there in the air. Right. Okay. If I have a rocket, I want it to leave the air. If I'm leaving the air, I don't have oxygen. Oh, no. I have to bring the oxygen with me. Well, this is getting more expensive all the time. <laughs> okay. So, here you go. So, the, do you remember the Artemis uh, and the space shuttle has two solid rocket boosters on the side? Right. Okay? The, the two boosters, and then it releases them. All right? Right. Those yes. two boosters burn air. With their mixture. When the rocket gets high enough, they're done. We can't have them trying to work where there's little air because what's the point of that? So you get to use the free air to launch the rocket at its lowest level through the atmosphere where there's plenty of oxygen. Right. Then they drop away and anything that happens after that needs its own oxidizer. Uh -huh. And the fuel tanks that not only started burning at the base, at, uh, on the launch pad, but continue in orbit is the larger tank that has two tank containers. One of them holds hydrogen, the other holds oxygen. And the hydrogen tank is twice as big as the oxygen tank. Okay. So when I mix them, what's the mixture? That Ooh, sounds a little bit... Why do I want twice? Sounds a little bit like H2O. Oh! Mm. Well, yes. So, when I mix hydrogen and oxygen, it is highly exothermic, meaning it releases tons of energy. And the, and the, and the exhaust is water. Oh, wow. Water. Water. So, so, so we have this incredible, uh, you know, propellant yes. that the byproduct is water. Yes. Why doesn't everything run on that? <laughs> I love the, the gears are going in Chuck's head. I'm, I'm just saying. Okay. 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 There isn't hydrogen just laying around. Okay. Uh, uh, gotcha. But it's everywhere in water. But pure hydrogen is just so you have to get the hydrogen. Uh, so you're going to get it from the water to begin with. And oh. guess how much energy it takes to separate the H2 from the O? More than it does to put a rocket. It's a textbook. So the energy it takes to separate the hydrogen and oxygen is slightly more than you're going to get back by recombining right. the hydrogen and the oxygen. I see. Yeah, that, so it's not quite an equal thing, but yeah, that that's how you get your hydrogen fuel. It sucks. It totally that sucks. sucks. <laughs> and where are you going to get that energy from? Is it a, 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 a oil plant or whatever? You know, right. you can use solar power to do that, by the way. And so, but I'm just saying, th there's no such thing as a free lunch. There you That's have all. It. There wow. you have it. So the and by the way, they use uh, liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen because that's it's much denser. You get way more fuel than if it's just gaseous hydrogen and gaseous oxygen. But liquid hydrogen is liquid at like 
four, is that? I forgot the number, but low single digit Kelvin temperature. Oh, wow. Okay. We got a whole other explainer on Kelvin. Low single digits. So the, the whole thing is chilled. And that's why you look at some launch um, videos of, of the Saturn V rocket. You see this ice falling oh, yes. off the sides. Yes. It's Florida. Where the hell does the ice come from? Right. Because this stuff is cold, all right? Keeping liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen. So that when they combine, you have the maximum number of molecules to do it. get the maximum amount of exothermic reaction. And you get the maximum thrust. And according to Newton, you cannot move forward unless you spew something else back out the other side. Mm. Normally, for if me, you're it's hatred. Hatred. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you said that instead of flatulence. <laughs> otherwise, you could that. that was my first thought, but I was like, nah, let's go That a was your deeper. first thought, right. I was like, okay. let's go a little deeper. Let, let's, get, let, let's be a little more mature. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the point is, uh, unless you have friction to help propel you forward, if you're just trying to move through the through space or through the air, something has to come out the back mm. so that you propel forward. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. reaction. And that's why you have this huge plume coming out the other side. And so this that's the Rockets 101 for you. That's very cool. Just that saying. Cool. Well, Be very cool. And all that began like in the early 20th century. So the Russian who did this early 20th century is Tsiolkovsky. I, I always mangle the name. Tsiolkovsky. Mm. There oh, we go. Yes. I think I did that right. He first wrote down the rocket equation and Russia didn't look back. Uh -huh. And uh, so the Russians had the rocket equation. They had Sputnik. They had Laika, the first mammal. They had the first astronaut. So they beat us at everything except for landing on the moon. Uh, you know, that's... So we land on moon say we win. That, of course, they beat us at everything else. All right. So this has been another Star Talk, a Things You Thought You Knew edition. I thank my co-host, Chuck. Always a pleasure. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, as always, I bid you to keep looking up. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.